Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I fooled him again, Tommy. I fooled him again. No, at this age, people understand that you're on the naughty list. They just play along for the sake of your ego. Nice try, though. I hope it was a good Christmas for you. It was a great Christmas. Kathy and I are very blessed. Our grandchildren, I'm sure you and uh, Laura would say the same thing. And hopefully, hopefully all of our listeners would agree with that. Amen to that. And so now we turn to uh, the celebration of a new year and New Year's Eve and all that. But in between, we have this thing called the Cheez-It Bowl. First of all, congratulations to the Cheez-It Bowl, because I think it holds the record of having the most sponsors, historically speaking, perhaps of any bowl in history. I don't know them all, but I know it started as the Blockbuster Bowl. I don't think this is correct. I will simply say that 45 years ago, the first game I ever dressed for was the Tangerine Bowl, which not necessarily affiliated with the Cheez-It Bowl and all the ones that came behind it, or before it, rather. But the first game that I played in, in Orlando in the old, old, old Citrus Bowl uh, was where all of this started uh, in terms of playing in Orlando. And FSU has enjoyed a pretty good run in that particular stadium. So here's the list, Keith. Uh, if you're scoring at home, it, it debuted as the Blockbuster Bowl in Florida State, played in the very first Blockbuster Bowl. And which you, was, you worked in the very first Blockbuster Bowl, if I remember correctly. I did. I kept stats for Mr. Gene Deckerhoff. Now, that was not in Orlando. So interesting. Not only has this undergone name changes and venue changes, but it's actually changed area codes and cities here. But it went from the Blockbuster Bowl to the CarQuest Bowl to the Micron PC Bowl, to the Florida Tourism Bowl, to the Mazda Bowl, the Champ Sports Bowl, of which Florida State has two trophies celebrating victories, the Russell Athletic Bowl, the Camping World Bowl, and now the Cheez-It Bowl. There you go. There you go. That simply means that that you and I have been around for a very long time. Florida State's history is good in these games, however. The, The original Blockbuster Bowl, that was... Terrell Buckley with a great punt return. Bobby and Joe Pond, Florida State wins that one. And then the two champ sports bowls, one of them pretty improbable, the 2011 game. Well, let's go back. Was it 2008 maybe? I think it was 08 when Graham Gano was the MVP. Never seen a kicker determine the outcome of a game or impact the outcome of the game the way he did in that one. They beat Wisconsin. But he did. But he did. He did. Everything he punted went out at the two-inch line. 
And I think he was place kicking that game too, but he was punting as well. Obviously he's had quite the career as an NFL place kicker. Um, and then the, the, the win over Notre Dame, Notre Dame was a better team. Florida state was playing a, a very young offensive line. EJ Manuel, I think basically broke his ankle or his leg and finished the game, something like that, a hairline fracture or whatever finished in Florida state beat Notre Dame. So that's, that's the history, at least Florida state's association with it. You know, Orlando has been a place that FSU has enjoyed some success. Uh, obviously, they will open the season next year against LSU, having played in the uh, in New Orleans in the bowl last year, and then we'll open with uh, LSU to kick off the 2023 season. But it's an area that, that Florida State fans enjoy going to, and um, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think FSU's turnout will be good. And I'm excited about FSU's prospects in the bowl. I was thinking about it. It's been a while since I've been in that stadium. I, I guess it's been since 2016, which we were there twice, Keith, because you and I called the spring football game that year when they moved it to Orlando. And then later that year, Florida State opened the season against Ole Miss in the game where they fell behind 28 to six before DeAndre Francois went nuts and Florida State rallied for a for a huge win. I think that's the last time FSU was there, but you're right. Historically, FSU's done very well in Orlando. Remember back in the nineties, they back when ACC teams were, were not even pretending to be serious about football and they would, they would let FSU or, or uh, they would let dollars buy their home conference games. And so FSU played Wake Forest down there for sure. I feel like they played Duke in Orlando one time. Played Notre Dame one time. What's that? played Notre Dame one time right yeah I was gonna say so that was uh early in the ACC years and, and they played Virginia Tech down there obviously pre-ACC so there's been a lot of games and there's always a good crowd especially I mean if FSU is only going to play there once every five years once a decade whatever it breaks down to you're going to get a great crowd because it's so centrally located in the state well, if anybody if anybody's interested in 1977 Florida State played Florida in a freshman game in the Citrus Bowl, as it was known then, and we beat Florida in 1977. We would come back and play Texas Tech in the Citrus Bowl at the end of the 77 season. But it all started with one Keith Jones playing in a freshman bowl game, a freshman game, rather, in the old Orlando Stadium. How about that? Was it a sellout? Uh, No, it was not. (laughs) But my dad was there, and that's all that mattered. Uh, What I'd like to know, since 77, uh, you weren't, uh on the you got called up to the varsity at the end of that year right am i that is correct for the bowl game only so were you i actually don't know the answer to this did you play any quarterback at all when you got to fsu or, or you were did safe not the play whole any way? quarterback played defense back but i was the primary punt returner and that is okay. a significant understatement in its own self <laughs> which we have covered before all right, what we will do, rather than go down memory lane, we hope to make some new memories this week as Florida State will take on Oklahoma. And frankly, there have not been many happy memories against Oklahoma. And so if for no other reason than just notching a win against the Sooners, I see this game as important. We'll talk about the matchup in the Cheez-It Bowl with our uh, Osceola insider and continue the conversation right after this. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy, we'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. 
Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. The Christmas season is here, and we want to take a moment and thank all our customers for their business and support this year. We also want to thank all our employees for their hard work and dedication. Christmas season is about faith, family, and friends, and spending time with the ones that you love. But if you happen to be in the market for a car, truck, or SUV, we'd love to help. So from our family to yours, we hope you have a Merry Christmas with lots of love, joy, and peace. And we look forward to serving you in the new year. Merry Christmas from Hobson Chevrolet. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back. Tom Block, Keith Jones, and Bob Frant. They are Osceola Insider joins us. We can confirm he is not in the Cheez-It suite in Orlando. I guess he couldn't get that NIL deal nailed down. But, Bob, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm in the heart of International Drive, but I did not score the coveted uh, Cheez-It room. But you are in the land of Cheesy if you're in the heart of International Drive, and I will be there tomorrow uh, to confirm. I thought Norvell was great this week, by the way, when asked if he had seen the room. He commented about how bright it was and said something to the effect of, I guess dark is dark when you close your eyes at night, but man, that room is bright. <laughs> and I think he said his daughter wanted to see it. Some of the players said that they had reached out to uh, to cheese it to try and get in on the room. And I, I believe Jamie Robinson was either mock frustrated or, or genuinely frustrated that uh, he didn't score the opportunity. But, you know, Micah Pittman with his uh, extensive YouTube channel got that opportunity. Well, I, here's the secondary uh, promotion. Whoever's MVP of the Cheez-It Bowl, they should offer them a weekend to come on back down and stay in the cheesy the Cheez-It room, right? I mean, it's the land of NIL. Just hand them a free weekend in Orlando. The only catch is you'll have to listen to an hour sales pitch about why you should buy Cheez-Its. <laughs> it's a timeshare, and instead of saying, I'm going to Disney World, you're saying, I'm going to the Cheez-It room. Exactly. Side by note, the way, guys, by the way, I do not need an hour to explain to me why I like Cheez-Its. <laughs> Keith, have you ever sat through one of those timeshare pitches, by the way? I have not, will not, am not going to, but I still like Cheez-Its. My, my wife and I did it one time, and I swear it was the most high-pressure sales. I don't know. I, I couldn't have said no more frequently to more different people and still get bumped up to somebody else who was going to talk me into signing up for something. So just know that you have to earn the free weekend if you actually sit through one of those pitches. There you go. <laughs> all right bob uh on field i don't even feel like we need to get to on field yet we'll, we'll get to that but uh this what it, what strikes me is just seeing the football team have fun now these guys have fun anyway but it's been a long time since we've seen pictures and video of florida state players riding roller coasters or driving go-karts or doing any of that matter of fact what comes to mind is like dalvin cook on jet skis off south beach or something when florida state was and that was a lot of years ago so i guess that's a starting point it's good to see this going on yeah, for a team that I think prides itself in work and has a very business-like focused attitude about football, they've also, you know, had the chance to relax these last couple of days and, you know, spend time at, uh, you know, Top Golf Monday night and Tuesday night at uh, Universal Studios this uh, Tuesday morning. They were over at, um, you know, the Fun Spots, kind of an amusement park where they had some kids from the Boys and Girls Club. They were hanging out and doing some of the community service work and, and, it was interesting to see Florida State players and Oklahoma players hanging out together, not just uh, Mike Norvell and, and Brent Venables. So, 
really cool to see the side that we don't often see, like, like you're talking about, you know, we're typically thinking of them as uh, the student, the athlete, but, but this time, you know, it's getting a chance to really enjoy Orlando. I think, I think the guys have not experienced this for most of them on the roster. Maybe they did a bowl game with another team, but these are guys who are really tasting a bowl experience for the first time. And and they're really, you know, enjoying that first trip with, uh, with their brothers. The other part of this that is just absolutely amazing to me, Bob, is there are several Florida State players that, that at least on, in theory, have decisions to make, whether they want to go into the NFL draft. There are several of them that have, have announced publicly they're going into the transfer portal, but they're still practicing. They're still participating. They're still anticipating playing. You've not seen that with any other team in the country. I think that's remarkable. I think it comes down to a really you know, broad answer of culture. And maybe some people are bored by that topic by now, but it, it is what it is. I mean, this is what Mike Norvell and the staff have created, you know, Jordan Travis saying that they, they felt like they owed it to coach and the program and their teammates to play in this game. And obviously a lot of these guys have decided they're coming back anyway. Um, you know, we, we kind of, jumped around at the topic with Jared Burse and Jamie Robinson and what are you guys doing and and, and what's next for you all and I, I even asked Jared I said you know five wins last year potential for 10 wins this year you might come back and get into a playoff next year if you if you guys kind of keep this group together and he laughed he's not giving anything away but yes these guys are truly you know like Jared said his, his mom and dad are helping him you know weigh that decision and, and thinking about it so that when he is done with the bowl game, he can start to think about that a little bit deeper. But it, it is interesting when you juxtapose Florida State, everybody is going to play. Nobody's opted out. Oklahoma on the flip side, they've got opt-outs. And that's that's where the big X and O advantage might be for Florida State. I think the question as we spin it forward is, and this applies across the board, really, and it's about the culture, but two bo- two years from now, four years from now, Florida State's having success. Are they going to have a team where guys are going to do the same thing and play in bowl games, or are they going to opt out? And I, I could argue it either way because, I, you know, I just mentioned the Orange Bowl. And remember, Michigan had a tight end who, who tore his ACL up. He, he was maybe the top tight end in the draft, tore his ACL by playing in the Orange Bowl that year. So I could see people saying, this is why I'm not going to do it. But I could also see a future class three, four years from now, somebody who's an underclassman now, Patrick Payton, saying, hey, Jared Verse." didn't opt out. He played in the game. He owed it to the program. I'm going to do it. So I could see it being a, a precedent setter too. It can, it can go either way. I mean, when we asked Jamie Robinson, you know, before even Florida State knew was coming to Orlando, was going to play Oklahoma, he said he was going to play in the bowl game. I said, was there ever any doubt? And he, and he went off on, on a tangent of there was never a doubt. It, this was in his mind. He was going to do this. He wanted one more game with the guys. And, and you know, to some extent, it's a chance when you're on national TV, NFL scouts are watching whether you're planning to come out or not. Um, I, I bet most of the NFL guys would say we don't like opt-outs. We want to see these young men play in games and it speaks to character. But I can also argue like your point about, uh, I think it was Jake Butt, the Michigan tight end. I mean, he never really played in the NFL. He never really got that shot. And and he's written about it. I, I, I read, read a story that he wrote a year or so back about it. And, and it's, it's heartbreaking to some extent that he didn't get that chance, even though he felt like he wanted the opportunity for one more game with Michigan. 
so we're going to continue to see it. it it's almost inevitable the way things are set up i do strongly believe that nil will present an opportunity eventually for bowl games to say you are a premier player we want you to play espn wants the best matchup possible the best ratings possible eventually i think we're going to see bowl games reach out to the star players and say we are willing to set up an opportunity for you so that you will play the question being is it is it enough money is, is there enough assurances and maybe insurance so that the, the risk of injury is is maybe mitigated by the opportunity you have to play bob another aspect and tom and i talked about this last week is that the ncaa has said that participation in a bowl game will not count towards the four game maximum to redshirt do you see that being significant i i, I see that as a huge um opportunity for coaches in terms of second tier and third tier players playing but but is that as big a deal as i think it is i think if you look at a guy like rodney hill who i think is going to be a, a young man on the rise in future years this is an opportunity for him not just to get the practices leading up but he can actually think i might have a chance to play instead of once that last practice is over i have no chance to play in a bowl game there are a couple of guys like that and, and i think the reality is if this game gets a little bit out of hand, then we'll see more guys from Florida State playing. Potentially a couple of guys will jump in on special teams. I, I don't know. I mean, do we see an A.J. Duffy, for example? I, I'm not sure. I don't I can't really quantify how many guys at this point, but just in terms of roster flexibility, I think you do have that, you know, going to the game because the NCAA kind of came up with the last minute exception. Well, but the exception is not because of Florida State, which is the exception here. The exception is because every other program has so many guys opted out that you're getting exactly. into a safety issue exactly. if, if, you, if you don't let some of these other guys play. Sure. All right. Uh, you've got a big uh, story that you did on Wyatt Rector, and uh, there's, there's kind of two angles to this. One is Wyatt himself, and one is that, oh, he just happens to have been roommates with the latest big fish that Mike Norvell reeled in from Western Michigan. But uh, tell us a little bit about what you uncovered there and doing this story and why it really has. I mean, John Papuch just raves about him as a glue guy on the special teams. Uh, and and frankly, if you're going to transfer and give up on being a quarterback and embrace all these other grunt positions, that says a lot about your character. Yeah, I'm sure there's been, you know, other examples of guys in college who said, you know, maybe quarterback isn't my future, but tight end and special teams are, are a lot of the dirty work that just doesn't kind of get you the the acclaim. But in Wyatt's case, it really has. I mean, he's gotten a claim in part because he has a rushing, passing, and receiving touchdown in his career, which I think is really cool. But also, he really appreciates his opportunities on special teams, you know, blocking and tackling. He, you know, recovered that muffed punt against LSU in New Orleans. He remembers all these little moments, uh, you know, blocking on, on Trey Benson's kickoff return against Boston College. So special teams is really a big deal for him, but also you know, he had, he had the opportunity to, you know, prove some people back in Leesburg wrong that, you know, he said two teachers specifically told him, you will, you will not graduate from college. You will not play division one football. And whether that was motivation or it was true doubt of a student, um, you know, we leave it up to the interpretation. And, and in the end, I think Wyatt to accomplish a couple of those dreams and, and pursue other dreams I think it's really, really cool what he's been able to do and um, definitely a guy who's become, I think, a fan favorite 
even though you would look at his broad role from a statistical standpoint, you'd say, well, he hasn't done that much. But I think the Florida State fan who watches every game says, well, that's that's a guy who's just incredibly valuable to to the big picture of what they're trying to do. Let me tell you a couple of things about Wyatt. And by no means is he, are he and I personal friends. Number one, he grew up in Leesburg. That's 12 miles from Wildwood. He couldn't have, happen but have greatness. And number two, when the five-year reunion, the 10-year reunion, the 25-year reunion, the 40-year reunion comes, Wyatt Rector will be one of the most popular players in those reunions. Because once you graduate, once you get out of the program, there are those guys that play in the NFL and they're put on pedestal. There are those guys that started two or three or in some cases four years, though they didn't play in the NFL. And then there are the Wyatt Rectors of the world who you absolutely adore as a former player because they played for the love of the game. They didn't play for the notoriety. They gave everything in order to be a student athlete. And he will always, trust me, guys, always be respected by every one of his former teammates because of what he did during his time at Florida State. KJ, it is true that you guys are both from the same neck of the woods, literally. But one of the big differences between Wildwood and Leesburg is you do pronounce the L in Leesburg. I just wanted to point that out as we go to break. More That's, why you, right are, after that's this. why you are the primary host, Ms. Block. <laughs> we'll continue. We'll talk about the game after this. Loading the kids in the car. Brokering peace in the backseat. Mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom Block, Keith Jones, and Bob Ferrante from the Osceola. By the way, to finish up that Wyatt Rector story. Go to the Osceola for that and much more. All your coverage of the Cheez-It Bowl, uh, which is not the cheesiest bowl game of them all because the one that comes after this in the same venue is what? The Cheez-It Citrus Bowl or something like that, Bob? So uh, they're getting uh, twice the bang for their buck on this. But what's your what's your general thoughts on the game, Bob? Florida State's favored by 9 or 10, somewhere in that range. It's It's been a transition year, candidly, for, for Oklahoma with a first-year head coach, uh, as good as he is as a defensive coordinator. So I think most expect Florida State to win, but that might be discounting a little bit about what Oklahoma has been historically, certainly, which is a big thorn in the side to FSU. I think they've had the year one growing pains that, you know, Florida State and other programs have experienced. 
the big thing, you know, just from an X and O standpoint is you're going to start one offensive tackle who's a freshman, another offensive tackle who's a redshirt sophomore. You don't have your 1,300-yard running back and one defensive lineman. And, and there, there might be a couple of others sprinkled in there. They've, they're very, very limited, I think, offensively in what you can do when you've got, you know, first-time starters out there um, at both tackle spots. Now, that said, you still got a really talented receiver in Mims, and you've got Dylan Gabriel, who kind of Orlando's second son in some regard as a former UCF quarterback. So can Oklahoma score points? Yes, definitely. Um, but can they sustain drives? Can they build drives with, you know, Florida State's pass rush trying to attack off both of those edges? And we see what Florida State can do by rushing four very, very consistently and then using those other seven in various uh, coverage responsibilities. So I think just from a true matchup, I don't know how Oklahoma's line consist- can consistently match up against Florida State's defensive front. I do think they're going to score points. That's what Oklahoma kind of does. But it's just if this gets into a scoreboard shootout, um, that does not favor Oklahoma. That that would more favor a team like Florida State that is much more efficient, has the big plays, can run the ball, can pass the ball very well too. Um, th- this feels like a game where Florida State could yet again go deep into the 30-point range and maybe in, even into the 40s and, and really put this game away and out of Oklahoma's reach. Bob, on the defensive side, continuing that thought, with all those players opting out, might there be a tendency for Coach Adam Fuller, and we've seen this in the last half of the season, the last third of the season, to be a lot more aggressive in terms of dialing up pressure, uh, playing man coverage, zero man coverage occasionally. Might this tempt Florida State to be more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball? I think so, and I think they really like to rotate at defensive end. I think one of the players said a few weeks uh, toward the end of the regular season, they like to rotate those defensive ends about 30 plays a piece. So it really shows the emphasis on, you know, the twos are as important as the ones. So if you can really focus on that pass rush without thinking, oh, I'm wearing out a Jared Verse or a Derek McClendon, that that next man up is going to give you just as good effort, uh, you know, pursuing the quarterback. And I, I think Dylan Gabriel's got some escapability, got some good wheels, but if those defensive ends are, are truly going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback with, with some amount of consistency, um, I think it's going to be a really tough night for, for Dylan Gabriel. I think you're right because of the tackles. I, I would say if, and this is a big if, and obviously it doesn't matter because they're not playing, but, but if they were, uh, I, I would feel pretty strongly that Oklahoma would have a lot of offensive success. I mean, we're coming off a Florida game for FSU where Florida – uh, scored 38 points on on this FSU defense. I would still like FSU to win, but I could see it being a shootout for sure. Uh, this scenario, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I'm also curious, what do you think about year one? KJ, jump in on this too, of of how the Venables start has gone in Oklahoma there. I, I think it's been shaky. I, I mean, I, just talking to Jeff Levy, who was you know, the offensive coordinator at UCF with Dylan Gabriel, I, I think he tried to, you know, put a good spin on it that they've seen progress. They've seen improvement. There's been some familiarity with, you know, he was able to walk in day one with Dylan Gabriel and they were able to accomplish some things. Um, you know, if Dylan had not gotten hurt, they probably would have had a better record than six and six. So maybe that record is a little bit flawed in some regards. 
Oklahoma's issue is they just, they're not stopping people. They are just struggling on defense. That was uh, Venable's hallmark. Ted Roof is a guy who's kind of known for his defense, but it just hasn't worked in year one. It just feels like a team that's got those year one growing pains to me. I would echo that. I mean, Venable's phenomenal job uh, at Clemson. And, and therefore, if you think you're, offensive uh, excuse me your head coach is defensive minded your defense is going to be great but it changes when you move from the coordinator position to the head coach position and so there's this natural tendency that because his last name is Venables the defense is going to be awesome but it oftentimes does not work out that way uh, when you're the head coach you got to pay attention to three parts of the game not just the defense but the offense and the special teams as well and oh by the way let's not forget raising money taking care of the boosters, taking care of administration, all the other things that go into being a head coach these days. It's all part of it for, for Venables. Yeah, it's just odd to think of his name and then see how Oklahoma has played defense or, or struggled to play defense uh, this year. So, Bob, the, the million-dollar questions, and I don't know, well, before I ask you about each of the players, but we've got these guys for Florida State that have a decision to make. Do you think any of them in the immediate aftermath of the game when they talk to the media will make that announcement or do you think it's going to drag on further because they have until the middle of January to actually declare? Yeah, it's interesting. I think historically we've had the chance to talk to some players in the locker room after games. And even when they've said, I haven't made a decision, you kind of look at them in the eye and you have a feel. Uh, I, I feel I felt that way after the um, the Oregon game, you know, you know, the first year of the playoff. A lot of those defensive players, the Ronald Darby's, you'd ask them and they'd say, well, no, I haven't made a decision and say, well, is there an incentive to come back, you know, to have another run at a national title? And some of the responses I got back from some of those guys at that year was, well, yeah, maybe. There's just really short kind of answers. And you, you just kind of, you walked away reading the tea leaves, knowing that some of those guys were, were mentally had already decided to go. I, I think a lot of these guys are going to be very, very cautious in an era where you could pursue NIL opportunities to come back to a school. You can still weigh the NFL Draft Advisory Committee, what they're telling you. Jared versus talking with his mom and dad, for example. I think a lot of these guys want to sit down with the coaches and really show me, if I come back, how you might be able to continue to, to develop me. What is the next step in my progression? I think we're talking about, you know, Jared Verse can still take another step in his career. He can improve against the run. Johnny Wilson can reduce drops. Jamie Robinson could play in the first half of the year um, a little bit better. He, he was really, really good down the stretch for Florida State. Um, so I think those are just a couple of examples of these are not truly slam dunk first round types or maybe even early second round types outside of Jared Verse. So is there a reason to come back? Of course. Are there a lot of reasons to go? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons to go. Sure. <laughs> well, and I too, forgive me, Tom, but there's two aspects of this. Number one, you touched on the NIL. If you're a fifth or sixth round draft pick or you're a, a free agent and you sign the money you're going to make in the first year, in many instances, is not different than the money you're going to make as a senior standout at a, at a division one school. And number two, do you trust the coaches? You know, historically, after Coach Bowden left, and, and this is no offense to Jimbo or to Willie or anybody else, but, you know, we knew that, that the program was not as big as the individual coach. Well, now the program is bigger than the coach. 
we've seen that with Coach Norvell. We've seen that with his assistants. They're interested in, in developing players. They're interested in, 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 in putting a foundation in place. That may change next year. That may change three years from now. But these kids trust these coaches as opposed to years past. And I think you're very, very astute in your comment, Bob. They want to talk to the coaching staff as to what 2023 might mean for them, in addition to whatever the money means. Versus the one, as much as I'd like him to stay, the fact that he got injured this year, and how many times subsequently was he down during a game where the training staff had to come assist him, and we were kind of wondering, is he going to come back? And we'd see him a series later. But it just if the, if the grade is anywhere first or second round, I, to me, I think he's saying I got to go, even if it's second round money. But I, I mean, I could be totally wrong. He has fun. He rooms with Trey Benson, who's coming back. Uh, he's been a great. Uh, it's remarkable to me they found a guy like Verse on the heels of who they had last year to come in and and plug that hole. I don't know. What do you think, Bob? I think if the teammates present an opportunity that Florida State can win an ACC title and perhaps make a run at a playoff, if they collectively decide to come back it's going to be really tough for a guy like Jared Burst to say, I really should go pro. But to your point, the injuries and, and the history, that's something that Jared's going to have to evaluate is, do I need, and I'm totally um, speculating here when I say this, do I need an off-season surgery? Is that something that I'm going to need so I'm going to be good for my next season, whether it's NFL or whether it's uh, a college football season? Now, Jared's practicing. I'm, I'm just, again, speculating. We don't know... Um, to some extent, what we don't know, these guys have to make a really, uh, really big decision. But again, I, I think at the end of the day, like we talked about with Keith, you know, having coaches that you trust, um, it, it's really different from where they were. I think a lot of these kids who um, you know, graduated in recent years, they have, have had whiplash because of the number of assistant coaches and coordinators and head coaches that they've had. Well, could I trust that guy? Because you know, as the losses piled up, they were gone. They've had this stable relationship now for three years. I think it's going to be a real benefit for them as they weigh what is the best decision for them. And, and you know, again, Jared may come to one decision that makes sense for him. It could be totally different from Jamie's decision. It's just... Hey guys, I simply remind us, Billy Donovan, FSU, bas- or excuse me, Florida basketball. They win a national championship. Two or three of those guys should have, could have gone on. They decide to come back. They win a second national championship. Don't ever discount the importance of your college career because you keep that with you forever. Your NFL career might be one year, two years, 12 years. You don't know. But that college career, every every NFL player will tell you that their college days were their most enjoyable days because when you get to the NFL, gang, it's business. It's nothing but business. Well, and NIL makes it easier to maybe do both, get paid and enjoy the college life. Here's, here's the thing, Bob, you mentioned the, the, the playoff scenario for Florida State, right? And we don't want to put the cart in front of the horse here, but if FSU wins, they're going to be one of the, the big sexy names that people talk about next year with a returning quarterback, and they'll be a preseason top 10 team. But here's the symmetry. So FSU played in the first BCS championship game and then won the last BCS championship game and then they played in the first four-team playoff and next year is the last four-team playoff so you can see what I'm working there that's that's what we got to see if Norvell and company can take care of 
Yeah, I think they're going to realize when they sit down that there's an opportunity to be really, really special next year. Um, this has kind of felt in a sense like, you know, like a 20, 2012 type of team, like you're truly building toward something that might be playoff championship caliber. Um, I, I think they have a lot of the pieces here and they've hit up the transfer portal incredibly well. Like like you said, Braden Fisk and you know Daryl Jackson, some of the other guys. So the depth, the quality of the depth is so much better than what we've seen, you know, when Mike Norvell arrived in 2020, you know, late 2019 and had to build that 2020 roster. This kind of feels like a team that, um, you know, we, we don't want to build the hype train through the off season, but if the right guys come back, I, I do feel like they're going to give AC, the ACC title a real shot um, because it's, it's been Clemson's for a long time, but, you know, Clemson's got some issues they got to work through too. And, and Florida State's got a real shot to uh, to challenge for it. Bob, how many times have I ever disagreed with you? Handful, here and there. Here and there. Here and there. Let me tell you something. If Florida State beats Oklahoma, like I think they will, and an additional players come back, that hype train is going to be off the rails. It's going to be off the rails come the 2023 season. And that's what we do on Twitter. We, we, we generate hype. I wouldn't know about that, but that's okay. <laughs> Bob, we will let you uh, get back to it. Uh, I will join you. Uh, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday evening, folks, I should point out. But uh, I'll be down in Orlando on Wednesday and, of course, for the game. So uh, we'll catch up tomorrow. Appreciate the great work that you guys in the Osceola continue to do. Take care. Thanks, guys. All right. And we'll wrap Front Row Knowles up right after this. The Christmas season is here, and we want to take a moment and thank all our customers for their business and support this year. We also want to thank all our employees for their hard work and dedication. Christmas season is about faith, family, and friends, and spending time with the ones that you love. But if you happen to be in the market for a car, truck, or SUV, we'd love to help. So from our family to yours, we hope you have a Merry Christmas with lots of love, joy, and peace. And we look forward to serving you in the new year. Merry Christmas from Hobson Chevrolet. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things. Like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if Auto Owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, a few more minutes to go. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Thanks to Bob Ferrante, as always, as we uh, wrap things up here. Keith, uh, any other thoughts uh, other than that the hype train will officially uh, not only depart the station, but be well on its way uh, before we kick off again in September if FSU wins Thursday? I don't know about you, Tom, but the the limited folks that I talk to uh, think that FSU will win this game going away. And because FSU will win this game going away, and because so many players will come back, I am concerned about that hype train. 
I mean, we do need to be realistic. We do need to understand we're coming off of four years of more losses than wins. And uh, it is arguable that FSU could be at 10 or 11 wins already this year if things had done differently and gone differently. But, you know, college football is college football. And um, FSU is on a, a little bit of a roll right now. And if they win big against Oklahoma, which candidly I think they might, then the expectations will will be appropriately and correspondingly great. And it'll be Coach Norvell and this squad and this uh, upper class uh, to determine how they work in the offseason, how they work in the spring, how they work in the summer, and how they get ready for 2023. This is a very, very interesting, I mean a very interesting time. Florida State right now, in my opinion. Well, to your point, ultimately the bowl game, it doesn't, I mean, you could lose the game and the trajectory is still great for Florida State. But if you lost the game, aside from people being annoyed or disappointed uh, initially, it would be more motivating for Florida State. And what the point you're driving at is they could get too big for their britches too soon is really what you're saying that, you start the reading fear. the height that's the fear now i, I don't think i don't think that will happen if fsu were to win against oklahoma were to win in a big fashion two touchdowns 17 points whatever it might be i think given what coach norvell and his staff has preached and put together i think the likelihood of that is diminished versus other scenarios but the reality is if FSU wins this ball game and wins it, let's just say good, whatever that means to different people, and has all of these players coming back potentially, this is a very unique and a very, um, uh, very key part of rebuilding this program. How do they handle the upside? Because prior to three weeks ago, five weeks ago, there hadn't been a lot of expectation. FSU wins a number of games and then they lose a number of games. Oh, wow. We're back where we started from. We're not any better. It's, it's a little different, but we're not any better. And then they reel off these wins at the end of the season. And then they beat Oklahoma. If they do, do we get unrealistic? That becomes the question. Well, the good news there is you play LSU week one. And LSU is bringing its quarterback back, and they just got three transfer defensive linemen out of the portal and a top DB transfer and and had a much better high school recruiting class. So they're, they're still going to be loaded. So that, that part is good. But, yeah, I, I get the point you're making. I would like FSU to win, uh, again, grand scheme of things, this, this program's going the right direction. I'd like them to win because it gets you to 10 wins, which would be the 25th time in program history, and because FSU – never wins against Oklahoma. I mean, there's been some, other than the 60s, there's been the disaster of the national title game in, uh, in, in the year 2000. There's the games that you played in, Keith, which were not disasters. They were anything but, but Oklahoma still won. There was uh, maybe the one game as we wrap up that hasn't been talked about in the FSU-Oklahoma series that was pretty pivotal in Florida State football lore was the 76 game when Bobby brought his boys out to Norman and that was the game uh, – well, is that the game that he started seven freshmen or, or or the result of the game was that he started seven freshmen the next week? Well, he lost to Miami 
a hundred to nothing or whatever the score was. And he made the decision, Coach Bowden did, that all right, we're moving in a new, new direction. And kids like uh, Scott Warren and Kurt Unglob and Wally Woodham and Gil Wesley started in those ball games in 76. And that propelled into 77, the 10 and 2 season. And into 78 and 79, the undefeated season. And 80, where Florida State played Oklahoma toe to toe my senior year, my last ball game, toe to toe. If we win that ball game, you might have a split decision and Florida State's first national championship. So the Oklahoma series is quite significant for Florida State historically. Amen. And another chapter, hopefully a more uh, a happier chapter for Florida State folks comes this uh, Thursday in Orlando. We're out of time, folks. Happy New Year to you and yours. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.